The sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. It's the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. All right, welcome on to Hollinger and Duncan preseason predictions edition here. John joining me from the fine state of Georgia. And let's get rolling here. I I think to me, before we even get into predictions, I have found this the most difficult to predict season that I have ever encountered. Have you felt that way also? No, I don't think so. (laughs) I I really don't because these guys just played. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I guess the, there's something to say for that. Uh, you wonder about, well, I, okay, so here's here's why I think it's it's hard for me. Mm-hmm. Number one, you have eight eight teams that haven't just played, and I have no idea what to make of some of them. Uh, yeah, and then th- even, those teams those teams are harder, I agree, but yeah. those are the, also the least relevant teams. Well, then you also have a lot of guys who just didn't play at all last year, right? I mean, like Kevin Durant, if he's Kevin Durant again, that completely changes the entire yeah. scope of the league. If he's just like, you know, kind of a lower end all-star, then, you know, Brooklyn is a middling playoff team. If he's Kevin Durant, then they might be one of the top two contenders for the championship. It's really like, so there's yeah. that Steph Curry is another one. I mean, there's, and then there are a lot of these kind of mid-level teams that we just haven't seen together at all yet who have like made some pretty nice moves on papers. Your Phoenix, your Atlantas, uh, you know, the Wizards, I think are going to be, you know, they've got a little bit different of a group. Uh, so I don't know, uh, maybe, and then the Lakers even, they made a ton of changes. Uh, yeah. Just other yeah. than their top two guys, it's basically a whole new team. So yeah. th- that's kind of why I felt that. And m- maybe the other issue is just that like, uh, and the Bucks made a lot of changes too. They're going to be totally different, other than basically their top two guys, the top mm-hmm. three guys, Lopez. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think there's. I was having trouble. I think there is a less. It's harder to find a favorite this year that I really, really feel confident. I'm going to pick the Lakers, but mm-hmm. uh, so that, that's why I feel that way. Um, but maybe, uh, maybe I just need more experience in these things. <laughs> I th- so the thing we didn't have this year though was like the seismic personnel shifts of like LeBron going Cleveland to LA or Durant going Oak City to Golden State. Like we just didn't have because free agency was a little bit of a dud that way. Uh I guess I guess I feel like there's there's less of that to digest or even stuff like the CP Westbrook trade a year ago. We didn't really have anything on that magnitude this year. I know Westbrook got traded again, but it, it there wasn't there wasn't quite that level of blockbuster type stuff going on. Huh. 
yeah, I just I felt like I just knew the Clippers were going to be awesome last year, right? Like, <laughs> and and, and uh, I thought the Lakers were going to be pretty good when they got AD. I don't know. I I'm uh, last year. I maybe it's just because last year kind of played out at least in the regular season, kind of the way that I thought that it would. Mm-hmm. Um, but obviously the bubble didn't. That was a little bit different. So. Uh, and then, you know, there's, I, I guess the other thing too, you mentioned these guys just played. How real is that though? How real is the bubble? Like the Lakers just rolled through everyone, but they didn't really have to play anybody either. Yeah. And Milwaukee was dominant in the regular season. Clippers were dominant in the regular season. They look like shit. Uh, they changed things up a ton. Miami was awesome. Do we, are we buying that still? Like that's, I think it's good that we're talking about this, but I think I just don't know what to make of the bubble and the long layup. And then, of course, you have the 72-game regular season. This is the least consequential regular season, basically, that we've ever had. Because now you even have the play-in game, too. It's not even getting the eighth seed. isn't even as important as it used to be. Uh, You've got this environment where there are more teams uh, with a knowledge of rest than there've ever been. We just had a bubble where mm-hmm. a bunch of teams came from lower seeds and won. We don't even know if there's going to be home court that's going to matter at the end of this thing either. Um and so then there's also the potential for like covid absences and stuff. So there uh, am I convincing you at all or are you still uh you still just 100% I still sure I still think there's a lot I mean there's still a lot of wild cards out there. There always is, which is which is good. Yeah. I mean, this would be pretty boring if that weren't the case. But I go back and last, like, look at last year, for instance. I mean, there were still a lot of things that happened that I don't think we necessarily expected uh, in, in terms of both individual teams and, and the season as a whole. Yeah, I mean, that that's true. You, you make a good point there. And I was thinking about this when I was doing, we're going to talk about most improved later, uh, to think of how many awesome most improved candidates there were, which basically means guys who improved in ways you didn't anticipate. Luca. Yeah. Brandon Ingram uh, was up there. Bam Adebayo was up there. I mean, the guys, number of guys who kind of went from out of all-star level to all-star level was uh, yeah. Pascal Siakam took another leap. Jason Tatum took another leap. Jalen Brown took another leap. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, maybe I'm being too flippant about last year being hmm. too easy to predict. And maybe you're being too flippant about this year. But, maybe. you know, at least this means you can take John's predictions right to Vegas. He's going to be 100% <laughs> right. I do, d- yeah, don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> the only uh, guarantee the only guarantee that i give with my predictions is that they'll be wrong yeah we we need a, a gambling sponsor here so then we can tout how you should take uh take our predictions directly <laughs> yeah, really. to that, that gambling sponsor <laughs> okay let's start here um i'm going to do some of, of my predictions uh with okay. danny but i think we're, we're going to get into the high level stuff here sure who do you see let's just start at the macro team level first who do you consider a championship contender? Whereas I, I think basically the way to put this is if this team, if you told me at the end of the year, this team won the championship, you wouldn't be surprised. I see four teams in that discussion. Uh, three, okay. and a ha- three and a half, really. So I'd say the core would be the two LA teams in Milwaukee, right? The, those are the ones where you're just like, oh yeah, okay, I could see that. Uh, and then the fourth one, I think you have to give Brooklyn some level of of probability of being that team, even though their median outcome maybe isn't that great. Like I didn't have a super projection for them, but their upside in terms of getting to a championship level, I think is far greater than several other teams that might project in the median case to have a better record. So that's interesting. My group is bigger than that. I have the Miami Heat in there. Mm-hmm. They did. They did make... 
Now, there is a little bit of a distinction of some of these teams I could see getting to the finals, but I almost don't necessarily think of them as championship contenders. But that's probably stupid reasoning, right? So so I had like a second tier that was sort of like that, where I had like Miami, Boston, uh, you know, Dallas, Philadelphia. uh, Maybe you could put Denver in there, you know, that like that kind of group. Yeah. Um, so, uh, but this is my thought too, particularly in the Eastern Conference, as I was going through trying to figure out who's going to win this conference. Mm-hmm. I think our biggest difference right now is you seem higher on Milwaukee than me. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm really concerned about their depth. I'm really concerned that they haven't fixed any of the things that have caused them to lose. Maybe Holiday a little bit there. Um, I don't think, you know, Giannis going, I think, didn't he go like 0 for 6 from the foul line or something recently? Like, I don't think, I don't see him being like significantly improved over what he was last year. Maybe he will be, but not in a way, you know, adding the new skills that I think he needs to be the number one option on a a championship contender offensively. So I kind of see Milwaukee as having fallen back to the pack a little bit uh, Mm -hmm. with some of the moves that they made. And most importantly, they don't really have a way to get better. Maybe there's a way to do it with DiVincenzo. The hard cap is going to be a major issue. They basically have nothing other than a couple of second rounders to throw in other than DiVincenzo. Um, you know, they got a little matching salary, but maybe not as much as, as they would like to have. Um, so I think the Eastern Conference is going to be determined by who can make the best moves at the deadline. Because when I was going through my projections, I see so many of these teams around, you know, 46 wins or something like that. Yeah. Got like four or five teams all at 46 wins. Which I, had, I had a traffic jam around 46 as well. I had Milwaukee yeah. above the rest, but I had four teams right around there where like I had tenths of, win, of a win separating them. Listeners, I want to tell you about a new offering from Sports Business Classroom, an organization that I was involved in founding, and now they are launching the CBA Mastery Course, courtesy of the cap father himself, Larry Kuhn, who created the first CBA FAQ way back in 1999. Nobody knows more about the CBA than Larry Kuhn, and now, for the first time, you can learn the same information that Larry has been teaching teams, agents, and executives for over 20 years at your own pace which is awesome. All the sexy stuff is in there. Uniform player contracts, exceptions, trades, extensions, waivers, the Gilbert Arenas provision. All of it's available via on-demand video. You can get interactive exercises you can do at your own pace. There's an exclusive members-only CBA Mastery Forum. Definitions of all the key CBA terms. A certificate of completion if you complete the course. You can also be included in exclusive emails promoting jobs in the, in the industry. You get a discount on Sports Business Classroom 2021 Business of Basketball Immersive Experience in Las Vegas. Subject to admission, of course. And placement on the exclusive Vegas Summer League Talent Profile website. Accessed exclusively by sports business executives looking for job candidates. If you sign up, you can receive 10% off the price of the CBA Mastery course using the discount code CAPSPACE if you're paying in full or CAPSPACE PP if you're playing with a payment plan. Once again, that's the discount code CAPSPACE or CAPSPACE PP for CBA Mastery at cbamastery.com. Yeah, so I uh, going back to the championship contenders, though, I would throw Miami in there. Um, I would throw Boston in there. And I think, you know, because Boston was pretty close last year, I, I agree with what you said in their preview that they may lament not having made it last year because the competition will be harder. And I also, I continue to hate their matchup with Milwaukee. But mm-hmm. Boston, 
Brooklyn, Miami, particularly now as well that Adonokounmpo is off the table having signed the Supermax, uh, those teams can really upgrade. Uh, they have the assets to upgrade. The Bucks do not. And those teams also kind of have clear weaknesses that they could upgrade. You know, they might get into the Harden sweepstakes, so could Philly. So I, I think this is this is a race that's only beginning here in the Eastern Conference to me. Yeah, the the arms race at the trade trade deadline is going to get really interesting because uh, Miami definitely I think has has an upper hand there. Although you know most of these teams have sacrificed significant draft equity, Boston's probably the one team that hasn't. Uh, so so they're a little hamstrung there. Uh, Brooklyn probably has the best players to put in a deal uh, if 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 they decide to go that way. It's it's going to be interesting depending on who is available and what the price tag ends up being. And some of the, especially with some of these salary numbers you're dealing with when you get into a Harden or you know maybe a little less with Beal, his numbers actually yeah. a little more reasonable this year uh, until that extension kicks in. But when you start talking about trying to salary match on a forty million dollar deal and fit that into your pay structure going forward, that gets tricky really fast. Is there anyone in the West outside of the Clippers and Lakers that you feel is a realistic move away from joining that group? Uh, I mean, can we talk about Dallas? I I think if you have a healthy Porzingis in the playoffs, and then I think that is a team where they're one move or maybe not even one huge move away from being a real threat. Uh, I'd like to see a little more in the way of a second secondary ball handler. They're they're too predictable in crunch time right now. Uh, yeah. Their defense isn't great, but offensively they're really good. They you know they go nine ten deep with quality. Like they got a good team. No, they, they do. I, I think they'll they'll probably be my pick to be third in the West. Although I mean that is just an absolute morass as well. We were talking about the East. It's kind of the mm-hmm. same thing in the West. Yeah, I wonder who is reasonably available to them. You know, I think they probably still are going to want to keep their cap space open unless they really get a superstar yeah. in a trade. Yeah. Uh, they don't have a ton of assets to throw in here. No, they don't because of the Porzingis deal. And, yeah. they, you know, their young guys are all right, but I don't think they're like needle movers in a trade either. So do they have enough to get in on Beal? Yeah, probably not. Yeah, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't think so. I mean, when you compare it to the Warriors and Miami and Brooklyn, uh, and I mean, probably forgetting people there too. Yeah, uh, Denver. No, I, I, I wouldn't think so. Um, so I think I think they still really have to have their eggs in the free agency basket, and obviously Porzingis is a huge question there too. And and maybe maybe Denver. You know, I, Jokic looks awesome to me so far. Um, but they just have so many one-way guys on that team. It's just tough to see how they can get there quite there uh, on either end to just be like really top five in both. So, um, I mean, Portland, is there any way for them? Boy, they looked bad last night, man. <laughs> uh, I did not watch that. I don't, I don't, I don't want to overweight. Yeah, Denver just, just totally, uh, uh, they were playing with them a little bit. Um Portland is, yeah, they're they're interesting. I think they can get back to being a top, you know, top five team in the West. Sure, probably would need another move or two to really to really push that yeah. any higher. 
They just don't have enough versatility on that team. Dame Lillard, for all of his brilliance, is a small guard. So is CJ McCollum. And then they got a big center. And you're just like, you're just too limited in what you can do defensively. I think they've they've done everything they can by getting Jones Jr. and Covington to max yeah. out the conventional defensive style that they have to play. But you're still, you know, it, once uh, like Anthony Davis at center completely destroys Yusuf Nurkic every time they match up, right? Like there's... Mm-hmm. They're just, they don't have enough versatility to me to really get there. Yeah, I agree with um, that. All right, uh, who are your conference finalists? So I got the two LA teams in the West. Uh, in the East, uh, I think we're looking at Milwaukee-Miami again. I think I'll go with Milwaukee and Brooklyn. I think it's it's going to depend so much on matchups. Yeah. Uh, the only reason I'd say Brooklyn, KD looked pretty good to me. I thought he looked very lean. So did Kyrie. Uh, obviously, it's a high-variance team. But they also, unlike perhaps Miami, Brooklyn has no cap space aspirations this summer. They don't have really young guys the way Miami does. Miami, you can kind of say, hey, let's not throw all our chips in. We keep building with this group. We just made the finals with guys like Hero and Duncan Robinson and Bam. Brooklyn, they got a two-year window. I was talking to Brian Lewis, their beat guy for Dunkdown last night, and he's like, yeah, they have a two-year window because Kyrie and Kyrie, or or Kyrie and Kyrie, Kyrie and KD are both free agents in two years. And Mm -hmm. so they have all the incentive in the world to throw everything in and build the team around those guys. So, um, but I I mean, you know, Brooklyn could easily implode. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I guess guess I'm playing it a little safe here. Uh, you know, it, Kyrie making it through a season, I think, is always a wild card. Let it, setting aside KD's, you know, potential yeah. health issue. So I, I guess I just feel a little more comfortable right now saying, "Prove it to me with them." You know, you're you're a second round playoff team until you show me otherwise. Maybe I should have Boston. Boston, I think might might make some moves too. Uh, so much depends on Walker coming back as well. Yeah, but. the Kemba health issue worries me, and then their second line guys are not good right now. Yeah, but that's that's the easiest thing to fix at, at the deadline too. Although mm-hmm. we said that last year and they didn't do it. But, <laughs> right. Yeah. Per, but but perhaps. <laughs> but they also had Hayward then, and I don't I don't think that their depth killed them in the playoffs in the end. I think they'll want to. I mean, I think you go and this is something you probably did in team building is like, hey, we have some young guys we think can pop into these roles. Let's give them a chance early in the season. If they don't work out, we can uh, trade a first rounder for Jeff Green at the deadline. Uh, yeah, I mean, that was, I mean, that was kind of sort of what we did in 2015. Uh, I, you know, I think you also go through the season and you say, I mean, one of the things we talked about was that our best five, like if you just looked at how strong that lineup was, it wasn't as good as the elite best fives in the league. Like we were actually winning some with our, with our depth and it's harder to win that way in the playoffs. So we actually, we, we traded depth for, for another guy who could potentially be a high level guy for us uh, when, when we made that trade too, because you could sort of, and, and shifted the rotation more to like where almost he was the backup at two, three and four. And then it was just Bano and Costa were the other two guys. And like, that was our eight. Yeah, well, I, I realize it's not a perfect analog. I just wanted yeah. to get the Jeff Green. Yeah, you just had to get there. the Jeff Green shot in there. But, uh, I know. Yeah. I know. I, well, I'm I'm uh, I'm terrified when you start making fun of all the moves that I've made as an NBA executive. That's when it's Yeah, when you have a record like me, you could it, it's, it's, you could just get attacked at any time. 
So let me tell you about something really cool, and that's Coastal.com. With Coastal, they have this amazing software that lets you just virtually try on your glasses. You can see what a cat eye or an aviator would look like on your face. You can even turn them into sunglasses if you want to. It's really quite amazing. You can try hundreds of frames on. You don't have to leave your couch, and it looks exactly like it looks on your face. This is fantastic software. They just turn your camera on and virtually put the glasses onto your face. So you don't have to spend all this time at the store. You don't have to spend hundreds of dollars to get a new style either. You go to coastal.com, you pick the frames you want, you enter your prescription details, and your glasses arrive in just a few days. They have over 2,000 frames to choose from and 24-hour customer support. They have been called by Newsweek America's best customer service. And you can also donate a pair of glasses to someone in need in just one click at no extra cost when you buy a pair from Coastal. They've given more than 470,000 pairs of glasses to people in need across the world. Starting at $9, there's no need to leave your house. This is the new way to shop for glasses. Coastal.com. Use your FSA benefits now before they run out. Now and for a limited time, they're offering our listeners the best deal they have going anywhere. It's 50% off your first pair of glasses at Coastal.com slash PR. Free shipping, 30-day risk-free returns, and 50% off at Coastal.com slash PR. Easy remember because John Benevit. This is only for a limited time. It's Coastal, C-O-A-S-T-A-L.com slash P-E-R. Some restrictions apply. David Harrison here, the Locked on Washington football team podcast, celebrating with you a 21-grain salute to a less boring sandwich thanks to Dave's killer bread. I don't know about you guys, but when I eat pizza, I eat it for the toppings, not the crust. And when I eat a sandwich, it's for what's inside the bread, not for the bread. But when I throw a sandwich on 21 whole grains and seeds, thin sliced bread from Dave's Killer Bread, it is the epitome of addition by subtraction. That thin sliced bread lets me focus on what's inside the sandwich, but also adds to the sandwich with killer taste, killer texture, killer nutrition, a subtle sweetness, and a seed-coated crust. Dave's Killer Bread is America's number one organic bread for a reason it tastes so stinking good dave's killer bread is made with the highest quality organic and non-gmo ingredients and is power packed with whole grains fiber and protein visit daveskillerbread.com to learn more and look for dave's killer bread in the bread aisle of your local grocery store let's uh let's hit the chat here and i think we need to start with the biggest question that we have how do you evaluate isaiah hartenstein as a talent and his role in Denver, best wishes from Germany. Wow. Okay, we got. I just got, I, I had I had to get that one in. I I, just, uh, I, I love it when uh, people from uh, from overseas get in the chat. Well, I would say he's no Maxi Kleba, but uh, he <laughs> um, he he could do some stuff as a backup five. I think he's pretty limited defensively, but uh, he, you know he rim runs pretty hard. He's not completely unskilled. Uh, the, you know, pretty good getting off the floor. Pretty good rebounder, actually. Out-hustled Ennis Canner for a couple boards last night. Uh, I think he has a chance to be, like, a pretty decent backup five, I guess. Um, checked out asks, uh, does Miami have a four who can match Crowder's playoff performance from last season? Uh, yeah, that's that's they took a step back going from Crowder to Harkless, I think, because Harkless was in that role with the Clippers last year, and he, he struggled. He... Um, He's just not as willing a three-point shooter as as uh, he's more of a corner guy than than from above the break. So I think that's going to be a little bit of a challenging role for him and and for Miami because they really need that that guy at four who's just going to huck him up because they don't have any three-point shooting from Butler or Adebayo. No, I, I'm in agreement there. And again, I I think Miami will have 
some moves to make. Uh, Chard Farley, one thing about the play-in games that bothers me, it increases the chance for one or two seed catching a hot team, one that is outplaying the six seed. How much of a problem is this really? My response to that would be, well, if you're a real number one or two seed, it damn well shouldn't be a problem for you. And if it if you're a fake one or two seed, then you're probably gonna lose anyway. Yeah. If you're if you're like if you're worried at all about the nine or ten seed, hot or not, <laughs> like what what are you doing in the top two seeds? <laughs> Uh, Frax681 says, you know, Nate, I'm in San Francisco and I'm in Berkeley. So in some very distant way, I'm uh, across the sea too. That's good. That's good. <laughs> uh, okay. Let's, uh, NBA champion prediction. Who you got? NBA champion. I'm a little torn between my top three teams. Uh, I'm going to go slightly on a limb though. I think the Clippers redeemed themselves this year. That is interesting. Um, I will go Lakers as well. Uh, but yeah, I do think there is some chance that the Clippers are being slept on a little bit uh, because they were probably people's championship pick before three games happened last year. Um, okay, let's talk MVP. This year, a very difficult one. I like to do this, though, uh, by saying who I think should win MVP. We can okay. we want to talk about who will get it. That's a different question, but the and that will be the case I think for all of these award picks as opposed to who's going to win the narrative contest, which I will admit isn't as bad as it was in previous years. I think yes. it's much better now than it used to be certainly. It, you know, when you've got Allen Iverson winning it over Shaq or Karl Malone winning it over MJ. Yeah. Uh now it, it, it's done better than it used to be, but I mean, I think, to me, the most valuable player in the regular season this year is going to be the guy who is clearly the most valuable player in the regular season in the last two years. That's Giannis Antetokounmpo. Yeah, yeah. So he was the first name I wrote down. Um, I think three sort of standbys in the in the MVP race in the past are going to take a step back this year. Uh, James Harden, right? I, I I don't see him figuring in the MVP race. Oh, it's gonna be, it's gonna be a feel good story, John. He's gonna come <laughs> in and uh, he, he's gonna lead this team. John Wall, Demarcus Cousins, mm-hmm. they're gonna star with this team. They're gonna get the number one overall seed, and James Harden will win uh, the second MVP that he has been robbed of so many times. Yes, um, I think LeBron James and Kawhi Leonard probably are not gonna play enough games or enough minutes. Yeah. Uh, especially Kawhi. We'll see what LeBron does, but I have a feeling he's going to pull back on the gas pedal too. Um, so that left me with four names. Um, I had Giannis, Anthony Davis, Luka Doncic, and Jason Tatum. Jason Tatum. Oh, baby. So I can't put Tatum up there yet. Uh, I, I understand what you're saying because he has had a pretty meteoric rise. I just don't think he's quite there from a passing and a finishing standpoint. I'm, but, I'm, com- I'm completely with you. Yeah, that's yeah. that's the thing that would have to change to really give him a chance of like winning it as opposed to like being the guy who finishes as the last guy on the first team All-NBA. Yeah. Yeah, I could see him getting into the top five, maybe more in the... Although the analytics have always really liked Jason Tatum too. I yeah. mean, if Boston has a great season and they're the number one seed, you know, maybe, maybe it is quite possible. Um, surprised that we did not see Damian Lillard on your list. I just didn't think Portland was going to win enough games quite. Um, yeah. You know, well, well, I mean, so I guess we're kind of taking the, do you win enough games narrative out of this, but yeah. Yeah. I, I didn't, I didn't see him as, as like being one of the top five guys by a pure statistical ranking. Um, 
you know, probably be in that kind of next group, him and Jokic and maybe one or two other guys. Yeah. I mean, he's taken, like, we thought he was maxed out two years ago, and then he, I thought, took another step forward last year, although the team obviously didn't. Yeah. No, and, he was awesome last year. Yeah. 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 And then, you know, if he takes another step forward this year, maybe he gets into that conversation. Uh, but I, I do agree that some of the other guys would have to falter. Uh, and then uh, I think Stephen Curry at least deserves a mention here. Well, you got a couple interesting guys with Curry, with KD, uh, even with Joel Embiid, maybe a little bit, although he, again, probably won't play enough games, um, of guys who are kind of on the periphery but could work their way in depending on how they come back from from last year. I mean, there's another guy who probably needs to be mentioned, and that's uh, Skinny Nikola Jokic. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. As I was looking at my list, I was like, yeah, maybe I should add Jokic on there. Um. But, I mean, Giannis Antetokounmpo had one of the absolute greatest regular seasons of all time last year. And I think he's also going to be asked to play more minutes and do more this year as well because they just don't have the depth. Their backup front court is just a complete abomination at the moment. And so maybe he is going to play 35 minutes a game this year instead of 30. Um so that's that it seems like they certainly built the roster <laughs> yeah the really yeah that yeah that he was gonna do that and so uh you know again it, who knows what's gonna happen with uh the 72 games and guys resting and and potential uh covid absences and all, all types of stuff like that but i think it's the most wide open mvp race that i can remember in some time more so actually from just the who will win it than who yeah. i think will should win it yeah, because but, I think there's going to be the fatigue with Giannis, obviously. Voter fatigue is really going to hurt Giannis this year. I think there's going to be a groundswell to give it to Davis um, if he's good. But at the end of the, I think Luca's going to win it. I think he's going to he's going to play almost every game. Dallas is going to be better than people think. Nobody's talking about them right now. Uh, I think Luca's going to end up winning it. Yeah, and he is in fact uh, the favorite. Uh, I mean, I would say. In terms of just who I think should win it as well, Luca and Giannis would probably be my top tier, and then yeah. But they're really, I mean, yeah. You mentioned KD. I didn't even think of him. Um, but I again, he's the chance of him playing enough games are limited, even if he is at the type of level that he would need to be at. Um, okay, let's see. Any uh, Brooke Lopez MVP? Uh, yeah, voter <laughs> fatigue. Got that comment in here uh, as well. Um, I feel like the Bucks rim protection gets underrated with a potential Lakers matchup what do you think of that well that's interesting i mean they their scheme probably is pretty pretty well suited it's better suited to play in the lakers than it is to play in miami certainly um yeah and that's the thing you worry about with this lakers team and how they're built is there enough shooting uh the answer was just barely yes last year but uh yeah you wonder about that as you get to the to the higher levels and as they play the Clippers as they play Milwaukee or one of these other teams in the finals. Uh, if those teams can take away the rim, what do the Lakers have at that point? Well, I think the Lakers rim protection will cause more problems for the Bucks than the Bucks will cause for the Lakers. And then also, yeah, the Bucks will be an awesome rim protecting team when they have Giannis and Brooke Lopez out there. But uh, is Brooke Lopez going to guard Anthony Davis if they go with AD at center? And if you go just Giannis at center and Chris Middleton at the four, then you're kind of, you know, you're really too small. You don't have that advantage anymore either. And that also just puts a inferior player into the lineup for the Bucks as well. Like they basically have to close with Lopez because your alternative is DJ Augustin. Yeah, they haven't. They haven't made a move yet that gives them a a sixth viable 
starter level player that gives them the ability to play big or small. That that that's the move they need. Yeah, I mean, like, they, are they going to just sign Wilson Chandler at, at like in, in March after after the <laughs> trade deadline or something? I mean, like, even they don't even have someone like that, right? Like, I mean, just a body who could be a you know a combo forward. Right. Right. Yeah. Uh, just like Solomon Hill. Just like somebody somebody yeah. like that, right? No, Solomon. I mean they got Hill Tory they got Tory them. Craig. They got Tory Craig, I guess, but his you know, his shooting in a in a playoff game uh might might not be a great guy to have on the floor with Giannis. This episode is brought to you by 1010. You may have read about it in the New York Times or Forbes, and we're excited to tell you about it. 1010 is an exclusive collection of 10 one-of-a-kind engagement rings designed by 10 of the most distinctive designers working today. Using only diamonds responsibly sourced from Botswana, 10 design masters have each produced a uniquely beautiful commitment ring, launching exclusively on January 18th at BlueDial.com. And when they are gone, they are gone. We all know that the diamond engagement ring is iconic. It's a timeless expression of the deepest commitment between two people and with 1010 it's been beautifully re-envisioned in the hands of 10 modern designers working exclusively with sustainably sourced diamonds if you're making 2021 plans or looking for a unique and meaningful way to celebrate valentine's day you're definitely gonna want to check this out again this exciting limited edition collection of diamond engagement rings launches on january 18th and you can preview it exclusively at bluenile.com What's up, sports fans? Matt Peck here, host of Locked On Bulls, and I want to talk to you really quickly about another excellent podcast. Huge Fan is a new Sirius XM original podcast where stars talk sports. Each week, join host LaChina Robinson as she chats with your favorite celebs about childhood sports memories, game day rituals, the most heated rivalries, and more. And this new season features huge names like Anthony Ramos from In the Heights and Hamilton, Pat Carney from the Black Keys, Mel C, that's right, a.k.a. Sporty Spice from the Spice Girls, and even actress Michelle Williams talking about her love for our very own Chicago Bulls. Huge Fan is a fresh way to connect with your favorite artists, actors, and personalities about something we all understand, fandom. Huge Fan is now out on Pandora, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or wherever it is that you get your podcasts. And don't forget to follow the show or subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you never miss an episode. Okay, this is an interesting one here. I have no clue, in part because the surprise aspect usually drives a lot of this conversation. Mm -hmm. The coach of the year. Mm-hmm. Should we just like throw out some candidates and then just like try and pick one out of a hat? Because that's about all I've got here. So, the, so I would say two teams that I'm higher on that I think the consensus are Dallas and the Clippers. So I would say Teron Lue and Rick Carlisle are the two are the first two names I came up with. Um, usually, usually it's a team that at least finishes in the top five in their conference, right? Like it's not going to be like. Lloyd Pierce isn't winning coach of the year for coming in seventh with Atlanta, right? They, they would have yeah. to have what, like what a top Nate four, McMillan? top five record. What's that? What, what, what about Nate McMillan? He could really, when he turns things around. <laughs> Nate, interim coach, Nate McMillan. Now that that's, that's a ballsy coach of the year pick. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Nate McMillan or uh, uh, Alvin Gentry in Sacramento. Oh man. Yeah. Well, uh, all right. We're getting ahead of ourselves here. Sorry. <laughs> Don't worry. We'll get to this topic too. Um, yeah. So, I, I mean, here, here's my, uh, my list here. Maybe I'll, I'll throw people out there. You can comment on them. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nate Bjorkren in Indiana. The potential is there for him to win, except that, I mean, they were fourth last year and I don't see them repeating that. So man, yeah, I, I, I think he's going to have a hard time getting into this one. T- I mean, just because you, you never know, right? Like he, mm-hmm. 
when you bring in a first year head coach and there yeah. was some low hanging fruit from the previous coach, that's like a possibility, right? But TJ Warren not being healthy to start the year, like that's not a great sign. Uh, Victor Oladipo shooting 15% on jump shots so far in yeah. the preseason is not a great sign. So, and then uh, they, as you know, there's fruit there on offense, but they were the number six defense last year. They, yeah. And you look at the players there. It, that's going to take some work to repeat that feat. No, I agree. And that's that's obviously the downside of someone like McMillan, where you're like, hey, you know, we're bringing in more of a player's coach. He's going to be more modern, blah, blah, blah. But is he going to have the same defensive? And they lost Dan Burke as well. It was a yeah, exactly. there for so exactly. long, got him to punch above their weight defensively most years. So, no, I mean, that's just throwing out a possibility. Uh, Brad Stevens? I can't really see it. I mean, they would have to win the East. Yeah, to be the number one seed. Yeah, yeah. I and mean, they, they like they keep losing guys. And you know, if they, if they, uh, I guess we'll see too. You know, if they, if they're on pace to win what would be high fifties in a normal season to get the number two seed, and Milwaukee has another great year or something. And a, a lot of it, a lot of the narrative too comes down to like who can withstand injuries the most. Like Nick Nurse getting it last year, I think. Yeah, and definitely. he's obviously a potential candidate again this year. Mm-hmm. Um, another option that I have is. In the absence of a huge surprise, I think the Lakers are going to be better than people think in the regular season. You and I disagreed on that right. extensively on last week's episode. I think Frank yeah. Vogel. Um, he you know, could, it he, could be like a de- like if nothing terribly surprising happens, it'd just be like sort of a mea culpa from the voters. Like, well, I guess maybe we should have given this to you last year. All right, here you go. I could see that. Um, yeah. the, the other name I wrote down was Steve Nash. Yep, yep. He, he's on my list as well. Um, how about this one? Doc Rivers. Yeah, he'd be the other one. Yeah, yeah. Because, I mean, again, teams with a decent chance to be a top five seed. Um, yeah, Doc's, Doc's definitely definitely a name there. Yeah. Uh, by the way, though, I, because it ended so poorly and Al Horford got traded and Ben Simmons didn't play in the bubble and they got swept, like Philly wasn't that bad in the regular season. Like they're still on pace to win like low 50s. It was yeah. just that Boston and Toronto surprised and went ahead of them. Like they actually in the regular season they weren't so terrible at. They also had the weird home road thing as well. But I think they're actually going to be hard pressed to be like that much better in the regular season than they were last year. Mm-hmm. So um, here's a couple other ones I got for you. Okay, Terry Stotts. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Portland would have to really overachieve. I think. Uh... Yeah. Well, well, so you think if they if they get home court advantage in the West after barely making the playoffs last year? I mean, I guess they've just been at that level for so yeah. long. They've got Lillard. Yeah. It's got you got to show some new some new tricks to impress the voters here. Uh, although, again, let's keep in mind this is supposed to be our pick of who does the yeah. best job. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. You mentioned Carlisle already. That's one. Uh, Stan Van Gundy in New Orleans. Stan, yeah. So the two guys I was going to mention in the middle of the Western Pack would be Stan Van Gundy and Steve Kerr where there's maybe the potential for the team to surprise. You know, if, if Zion stays healthy and stays explosive, uh, which are two things that didn't happen last year, then, yeah, maybe New Orleans can move way up and, and there's a chance that Stan gets it. How does Zion look to you so far? You know, I didn't. I only watched one half of one game, and I, I didn't get a good read. I, like, there were parts where he looked really good, but I wasn't— I wasn't totally focused on him. I'm watching all these other guys out there. Yeah. I, I, I don't know if I can offer a really substantive opinion on that. Yeah. Well, you know, I was just asking you as a vehicle to give my own opinion. So I'll oh, do that Oh, okay. Now. Fire away. 
<laughs> um, I'm actually going to talk much more about this with Mason Ginsburg uh, mm-hmm. on Dunked on Prime right after we're done recording here. But uh, I thought it is enough to be cautiously optimistic. I think his defense, he, was, he wasn't making the second effort, but he was at least making the first effort, which is mm-hmm. much more than we saw last year. He was at least like making the rotation. He was actually, you know, one thing I like to look at with guys is, you know, are you just standing there with your hands on your knees when you're off the ball? Or are you actually like moving a little bit? Are you sort of, all right, I'm going to take a couple steps this way because I think this guy might go back to or even if he doesn't, yeah. or, you know, I'm, I'm going to at least kind of get ready to rotate for this guy or take a couple of steps in to dig when this guy drives. And I thought he was at least showing a little bit of that. He looked like he had energy, which he did not, even in the good times last year. And while I didn't think he looked incredibly vertically explosive compared to his Duke days, uh, the pop was back off the dribble. Like he blew by Bam Adebayo one time. Mm-hmm. I also liked that he took a couple of shots with his right hand. He missed one of them, but that's something he really needed to improve, like to go right and finish right. Yeah. Um, did that a couple of times as well. Um, so I, I thought that was good. I thought the Steven Adams, yes, the spacing isn't great, but if you wanted to have a guy who is used to playing as a guy who can't shoot and like kind of creating space in there, like, Steven Adams playing with Russell Westbrook. He has experience there. He'll kind of do the, you know, set the illegal screen after rolling to the basket or like the fake post up slash grab the guy when he tries to go over to help. You know, he, he his yeah. offensive rebounding gravity. Like he has some little tricks to kind of, you know, make it so he just, he's not going to get totally unguarded down there. So I, I thought it, it looked pretty good. I'm still, still skeptical about that team. But uh, I thought it looked pretty good for them in that first game against a pretty yeah. limited Miami team. They've only played the one game as we talk right now. So Sure. Uh, all right. Let's see here. So the way I do it, though, with Coach of the Year is I just pick who I think the best coach in the NBA is. And so I mean, Nick Nurse, number one, Brad Stevens, number two, and Rick Carlo, number three. As of right now, like that's. I, are, we, are we not going to mention Popovich at all? Like, I don't think he has any chance of winning the award. But like, he's no, a pretty I good coach, right? I, I think he's lost a step at this point. I mean, we did our coach rankings last yeah, year. I'm yeah. basically just regurgitating our coach rankings okay. at this point. Um, okay. Oh, uh, you know, actually, no. I I, I want to say Eric Spolstra probably deserves yeah, to be here. I yeah. thought he I thought he was better than Stevens last year. So probably, I'll probably say Nurse one, uh, Spo two, Carlisle three uh because i expect the mads to have a good year mm-hmm. stevens four built bar is the best tasting protein bar no longer must you make do with a protein bar that tastes like a small child took a bunch of sand from the beach put it in a wrapper and tried to pass it off as food the flavors of built bar are amazing caramel brownie cookies and cream cherry barcia lemon almond cheesecake those are the new ones the classics like raspberry german chocolate peanut butter double chocolate peanut butter brownie all these bars are covered 100 chocolate they're soft they're easy to chew but still fantastic nutritional value as well peanut butter for example 19 grams of protein 180 calories 5 grams of sugar 5 grams of net carbs and you can even get a free cooler with purchase while supplies last. Go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get 20% off your next order. That's promo code LOCKEDON, the name of this network, for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. Now, the moment we've all been waiting for. First coach fired. All right. I got I got three names uh, kind of on my hot seat list. Uh, Ryan Saunders, Lloyd Pierce, Luke Walton. I mean, Walton... Walton, they're financially committed to him, so they're gonna they're gonna try to make this work. But if things go bad, I still think they might make a move there. Uh, Pierce is interesting because 
like he's if they if they do okay he's totally fine right if they if they're on a as long as they're on a playoff trajectory he's totally fine but if they stumble out of the gate that seat gets hot really quickly um and then saunders in minnesota is sort of the same thing which it's like as long as they can be sort of average i think he's he's basically okay but they i mean they kind of look like shit in their first couple preseason games and so you you start wondering about that situation yeah, I think it would take just everyone being healthy and an utter disaster for it to be Saunders. But worth noting that Gerson Rosas, while, uh, you know, he Ryan Saunders was in the meetings that led to his hiring, which was always really weird, mm-hmm. Gerson Rosas did not pick him. Yeah. There's also the dynamics of a potential ownership change happening, and maybe they just don't want to put, you know, a bunch of money on the books going forward. But Saunders, I'm sure, isn't making anything by coach standard so he was up i mean and, and cer- certainly the interim coach won't be either yeah, but they, yeah, it, it could be if there was a new coach hire i see what you're saying after the yeah. season but I, I i i mean just the way it seems with them it's like he has so much equity with that organization and this is their first time being together with all these guys he's got to meld in anthony edwards who i haven't been particularly impressed with so far and you know towns and russell i mean that they have the oh this is the first time this group has been together excuse it would just have to be you know two and 15 or something to where they're just like there's no way this guy is the right guy for us i think um i will add two people to your list okay scott brooks last year of his contract oh okay okay he is making seven million but it's only one more year and yeah obviously you know that's the last they've made the westbrook trade that's really the last card that they can pull before facing the beal inevitability mm-hmm. they're gonna suck defensively so maybe they'll feel like they need to get someone else in there but um you know that's one where again it, it's it, with russell westbrook there and scott brooks relationship with him they supposedly like each other i don't see that happening mm-hmm. but i mean the other thing too is Warren Legary is not going to be happy about having a coach going into the last year of his contract, Scott Brooks, right? Like he's, he's going to want some kind of an extension. And if there's a feeling like, Hey, this guy isn't that good anyway, Mm -hmm. he's not going to be back next year. Why don't we just like start trying out some candidates for, for next year internally, who also would be nice and cheap if it doesn't work out with them. So, yeah. uh, Yeah. And then I have one more. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. No, yeah, go for it. Uh, James Borrego. I think it could be a low-key one. Well, yeah, I mean, I guess. I mean, they're going to be bad again, so there's always a risk there. But, it's his but third. see, the Hayward thing, they think they might think they're going to be good. Yeah. That's my concern. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and they won't be. Yeah, so, yeah, that would be one. Um, all right, let me throw a wild one at you. Oh, yeah. Quinn Snyder. Oh, no, I can't, I can't believe that. Didn't, he just th- got an extension last year, too, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, I think he did. You, I just... If they start slow and they start navel gazing a little bit and and seeing what the future looks like, if they, you know, if they are like only eighth in the West or whatever and Gobert and Conley are about to be free agents, and I, I don't know. I could I could just see a scenario where that happens. I think that they would trade Rudy Gobert before they would fire Quinn Snyder. Wow. Wow. I think I think they really believe in his development. I think they want him to be around for if there is a transition, I think they want him to. And also, the other thing, too, is they always start slow, it seems like, and then they always figure it out. Mm-hmm. And so he's kind of got that history behind him. I mean, maybe you know more about this from an inside perspective than I do, but I just, they seem, I, I mean, maybe because of the new owner, maybe he'll like go a little crazy. But I mean, I think he seems like such a stan at this point. Like, I just, I yeah. would be really surprised. Yeah. Um, hmm. 
Yeah, but as I went through it, I mean, everyone else seems like is either new or just has so much equity. It seems like there won't that be that many seats turning over, right? But we know somehow, some way, about a quarter of them will. <laughs> yeah, it seems like it's kind of cyclical these days, too. It's like you'll have the big turnover years, and then you'll have the non-big big turnover mm-hmm. years. Um, uh, what about J.B. Bickerstaff asks, uh, wagers 404? So first full season, right? I, I think that would be too soon. Yeah, I mean, they basically hired him anew right yeah. now. So um, let's see. Yeah, I mean, to me, it comes down to either Luke Walton or Lloyd Pierce. And if the Hawks are fine, then like, I think it's... Uh, oh, uh, you know you know who we didn't mention was uh, Dwayne Casey. Uh, I just don't think it happens because, I mean, he's... What did he get? A five-year deal at $7 million a year? He got five years at $7 million a year. Yeah. Now, I'm sure the last year is a team <laughs> option, but he, that still means he has two guaranteed years left. So yeah. I would be shocked. If, I if wouldn't be I wouldn't be shocked. I mean, there's a new GM there and you know, there's it's a it's a bad team. Like I I wouldn't be shocked. Uh okay. Defensive player of the year. I've got three spots on my ballot here. I'm gonna just throw them out there right now. Okay. Number one, Anthony Davis. Right. Number two, Rudy Gobert. Number yep. three, Giannis Antetokounmpo. Yeah, it's it's really hard to not make it one of those three, right? Like, is there another player yeah. who could play them play themselves onto that ballot? I believe so. Yeah, I, I think so. I think Giannis is going to take a step back this year in mm-hmm. voters' minds and ours. I think he's going to play more minutes. I think he's going to have to play with some bad units. I mean, I, I don't know that he's going to be a worse defensive player in the end. Uh, but also, Anthony Davis, to me, he proved in the playoffs that he's the best defensive player in the world right now. I think his impact that he had in the playoffs, I mean, if you just watch what he did against the Miami Heat, granted a, a more injured Heat team, but still, if you watch what Anthony Davis did against the Heat versus what Giannis Antetokounmpo did against the Heat, with arguably Giannis had more talent around him than AD did, and it was no comparison. Like, AD really was awesome. Uh, mm-hmm. So... Um, but yeah, so, so is that, are those the three that you would have as well? Yeah. I just don't know who else can play their way onto that, onto that esteemed a list. Like they're, I feel like those guys are just way ahead of everybody else. So here are my other candidates. Sure. I've got four. Okay. Bam out of bio. Okay. Now, Bam, I just don't think he's a good enough help defender to really get into this list for me. And Miami actually was not, even in the bubble, yeah. they weren't that good exactly yeah yeah i think he's he's gotten a little overrated uh uh yeah now i have liked that they started him at center you know that's going to give him more of an opportunity to have an impact i mean people forget last year that he was playing he was starting at the four alongside myers leonard for a lot of the time and he would play next to kelly olenic a lot too i think they're going to try more to have him at center this year um joel Embiid. yeah Embiid and simmons both right yeah that sort of you talk about puncher's chance to get into that top three I know you're not I, as high I don't on think Simmons, Simmons as I am. For me. Like if you're if you're not a big, you basically can't win it. From from my standpoint, that that's my opinion. I yeah. I know some people feel differently, but um, and I, I'm also just not as high on Simmons as a lot of other people either. I, I just don't. There are a lot of other wings. I think I would take over him if I had to. Yeah, and then, I, I, yeah, you talk about like are there are there guys who could you know could like a Drew Holiday or an OGN and OB kind of play their way into this discussion. I think that's going to be really hard. Uh, you know, can Draymond turn back the clock? That's that's another one on my list. And I we haven't seen him in action yet because of COVID, but just seeing photos of him, he looks really skinny. He looks like he is like in the type of shape that he needs to be in. You know, granted, he's 30 now, so maybe it's just gone. But I also mm-hmm. think they have enough talent around him, unlike last year, 
yeah. to where I think he can really have an impact. And we'll see how good Wiseman is. I mean, the early reports are, you know, they they're, seem to be pretty good. But uh, again, you know, we haven't seen him in preseason. We're not going to see him tonight. Uh, but, you know, if he can give them at least some rim protection, let Draymond kind of roam around, they have enough size that they can do some switching. I think they're actually going to be a really good defensive team. Maybe not a great defensive team, but I think they're going to be a good defensive team. Um, and it, Miles Turner, I would throw in there also as a very slight possibility. Um, interested to see what things look like there with Bjorkren. That's more just is does Bjorkren really just like change everything? I that right. one is a real real long shot to me though. Okay, okay. The other guy who I think we would definitely be talking about um, were it not for injury is Jonathan Isaac. Sure. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll remember him for next year. Um, yeah. Okay, this one is always impossible. Let's well, let's see if we got any, any comments here. Why does John hate the Lakers so much? He projected them fifth last year and said the front office wasn't good enough to help with any weaknesses. They weren't, yeah. actually, as it turned out. <laughs> but <laughs> they didn't really address anything <laughs> at all. <laughs> well, yeah, the uh, you know Nate and I differ on the on the Lakers this regular season. Uh, I think the Lakers are going to be right there uh, and have a great chance to win another championship. I don't think they necessarily are are going to rack up a bunch of regular season wins the way the way this season is set up. Um, yeah, and, and right, we differ on that. I was higher on the Lakers last year as well. I thought they were they were one of my best bets for being over. I think their over under last year was like fifty wins or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, but to be fair, I mean that's the over under. That's the consensus. Mm-hmm. You were pretty much right around the consensus for them last year. I thought they would be a little bit better. Right. And but you know, in terms of just the Lakers front office, are you going to give the Lakers front office credit for LeBron James and Anthony Davis being there? Because I'm not. I'm, I'm giving credit to the fact that Anthony Davis and LeBron wanted to be in L.A., and I'm giving credit to the fact that they happened to get the number two pick in, in the draft three years in a row. Yeah. The, the one thing the Lakers have legitimately done really well, uh, and this predates Palenka being there, actually, is like the last six, seven years, they have drafted really well, especially on late-round picks. Uh, and like Taylor yeah. Horton Tucker could be another one. So yeah. I give them give them lots of credit for that. No, that that's definitely true. I, that's pretty much inarguable. I mean, if you look at some of the guys, I mean, shit, they, they got a starting center. I mean, a bad starting center, but a starting center that they had so many other guys they waived him. Yeah, waived and then like, they had a good starting center, and they gave him away for two months of Mike Muscala. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I think it's been a little better since Magic left, obviously. But yeah, you no, know, and they just seem to like they seem to just give up a little bit too much on every transaction and. The Harrell thing just made absolutely zero sense to me whatsoever. Like if they if they had just gotten somebody else with that, you know, another wing or something with that uh, that Harrell slot, then I'd be like all about what they were this offseason. Yeah. I think that was the one that really uh, was not we were not happy about. Okay, so sixth man of the year, who you got? Danilo Gallinari. Yeah, I think he's probably gonna be my pick also, uh, and because he's he's gonna play a lot, he's probably gonna close games. Uh, it's kind of seems like it's trending towards maybe he'll be the four and they'll close with Collins at the five. I know. Yeah, it seems that way, right? Yeah. yeah, Okongwu has been out. You know, it's just hard to see him figuring too much. Um, Capella is just, you know, the big center. They always seem to find an excuse to take that guy off the floor at the end. We'll see how the other, you know, your reddish and 
DeAndre Hunters do, that might be a reason mm-hmm. that they leave Capella on the floor and play yeah. bigger. And the fact that they can't stop any could also be. But yeah, I mean, Gallo, he's, uh, and keep in mind too, the way you and I are doing this is who's the best player in the NBA who gives the most value to his team coming off the bench? It's not who scores the most points per game coming off the bench, which is what the most. Which is how the award, award is actually decided. But that might that might also be Gallinari. Um, so I, yeah. I'd, I'd say the, the other two names I wrote down here were Karis Levert, uh, and Ricky Rubio. Yeah, whoever of Levert or Dinwiddie doesn't start. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I think particularly if it's Dinwiddie, I mean, he has a very good argument to me of just being the best player who comes off the bench. I don't know that he's going to put up the numbers or have maybe the role required for that. Yeah. Um, I've always liked Moxie Kleba as well, particularly with Porzingis being out. I think just his versatility to play the four or the five. I mean, he's their best option guarding your Kawhi Leonard and LeBron James. He can shoot it. He can finish off the pick and roll. Like, just a guy... Now, he might actually need to make a shot, which he couldn't in the bubble for some reason, but generally he shoots it well. So I've always just really liked him a lot uh, as just you know, kind of a good role player who comes off the bench where... And my argument is, yeah, you know, you've got a ton of Lou Williams types and Jordan, you know, if you trade Lou Williams for the four guys in that role behind Lou Williams, you're not losing that much, right? But mm-hmm. how many guys like Kleba come off the bench and have the type of skill set that I just described to really help drive winning? I don't think there are that many of those guys. Um, anyone else who really came to mind for you? Uh, wild card guy for me would be Luke Kennard. That's an interesting one. Or, you know, Lou Williams is still on that team Lou too. Lou Williams is still on the team enough. too, I know. That, that actually could diminish Kennard's Chances quite a bit, depending on how they use those guys. I mean, there's a lot of great candidates here. Uh, I mean, Derek White might not start for the Spurs. Yeah, I mean, that whole thing with the Spurs is weird. Where I mean, like last year they had Mills and White coming off the bench, and they were and and Rudy Gay and and Lyles and Forbes and Murray starting ahead of them. It's like what's what's happening here? Yeah, but also the fact that he's not. It sounds like he's not be quite healthy to start the season. Um, yeah. I hear. I'll just roll through so, some of these guys. Feel free to comment uh, on any okay. of them. Uh, Davis Bertans. Yeah, it looks like. Well, we'll see. Yeah, he's going to come off the bench, I think, because they still want to give Rui his charity starts. So, uh, Derek Rose. He'll have plenty of plenty of yeah. chances. Yeah, yeah. And he was great last year. We'll see whether he can. Yeah, repeat if you're that, like picking obviously. somebody to come in fourth, like he's like a good candidate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, Rubio. I thought I, I agree with you on him. Uh, Whoever doesn't start of Tyler Hero or Goran Dragic. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Hero's got a good shot at it. I, if, if it's him. Yeah. Dark Horse, Eric Paschal. No. I think he's good. No. No. I, I thought no looked, chance. Yeah. I mean. Draw, drawing dead on that bet. Uh, just because you wanted the opportunity, you just don't think he's any good. Both. Yeah. All right. Uh, Michael Mulder. No, sorry. Uh, <laughs> what about Smiley? All right, here. All right, I'll I'll pander to you on this one. Okay, Brandon Clark. Yeah, I don't like. He's good. Like he, you know, he's kind of the same thing as like you talked about Kleba. Like he's he's not a three point shooter as good as Kleba, but like he does a lot of things off the bench for him. But yeah, I don't I don't see the role being big enough and the and the impact being profound enough. Uh, well, here's part of my thinking is. A lot of times this happens for players who start part of the year and kind of build up reputation in their stats that way, but actually technically mm-hmm. qualify. Yeah. 
Yeah. And Jaron Jackson Jr. is going to be out for the first But play. Clark isn't going to start. It's going to be, they're going to start Kyle Anderson at the four and Dylan at the three. And they're going to start uh, one of the other guards at the two. Well, in that case, then forget it. Um, <laughs> JJ Redick. I think is going to have a very prominent role. Another guy who just won't be in the conversation, but just he's going to be so yeah. important to that team with his spacing because they just have nobody yeah. else. Yeah. And my last one is Gary Trent Jr., another another dark horse guy. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he was good at the end of last year. He got, Although, you know, that was so weird last night. Like, Portland was playing... They're, they're playing Mellow at four, Jones at three, and Covington at two. And... Like, not really putting Trent in the game, which I don't know if that was like a preseason thing that was scripted or what, but it was like, guys, what are, like, what are we doing here? Uh, the mellow thing is going to be something to watch. Yeah, because I they, think they're committed, they real to, team now. they're committed to the idea that he's much better player than he actually is. Um, and then uh, if uh, Will Barton comes off the bench, he's probably got to be in the conversation. Yeah, he looked good last night. I think Nuggets have to be encouraged by that. That's good to hear. Yeah, I mean, when I talked to uh, Adam Morris, he had some concerns uh, about Barton, mm-hmm. but good to see that he he was out yeah. there. Um, all right, so who's your pick then? Uh, Gallinari. Yeah, Gal Gal number one. I think that's probably it for me too. After all this time we spent, there's a lot of great players who come off the bench. I mean, it's yeah. it's tough because you're like it's a lot harder to distinguish between the 60th and 61st best player in the league than it is you know when you're talking about yeah. NBA or something. Yeah, totally. You're kind of splitting hairs there. Okay, again, this is we will reiterate here. Later, let's see if we got any comments on this. Uh, someone shitting on me for the Pascal take. Uh, that was good. It's it's good for you to to unload on, on me a little bit there. <laughs> uh, we'll see. I think they're going to desperately need scoring on their second unit, and I think that he might be able to provide that. But uh, again, I'm not saying this. Is, I'm talking about like a one percent chance here. Okay. Okay. Um, let's see here. Sixth man of the year is an offensive award. Yeah, I mean, that's basically the way it seems to happen. Yeah. Again, because it's just so hard to differentiate between these guys. So, all right, points per game, let's go. Uh, hmm. Hero's going to start. They're definitely going to keep Dragic's minutes down. It would seem that way. Spo did say that he hadn't had that conversation with Dragic yet, but particularly given how good Dragic looked at the end of the year last year after the time off, I mean, there's no reason to extend him. Yeah. At all in Hero. They, I mean, they want to build up Hero as much as they can, for both for trade value and because they just want him to be a big part of the organization. But even then, are you starting Hero at the point, or are you starting none and bringing both Dragic and Hero off the bench? I mean, I think I think they got to just start Hero at the point. And, I mean, they don't really need a point guard the way they play. Like, if you have Hero and Robinson both out there, you can kind of run everything through Adebayo and Butler and have those guys yeah. run off the of screens. Yeah, I, I agree. It's not perfectly ideal. I'm not sure. I mean, Hero had this ridiculous pick and roll performance in the bubble, but a lot of that was just driven by hitting some jumpers off the dribble. Like he having someone who can distribute. I think you know that probably falls to falls to Jimmy Butler. But I mean, Spoh's going to try a lot of different things. You think? Okay, let's get to Rookie of the Year again. This is who we think will actually deserve it. My criteria, though, I'll kind of make a tiebreaker for who the I think the best long term prospect is as well. Who has shown that? You know, the Joel Embiid over Malcolm Brogdon in 2017 corollary. But who you got? I think LaMelo's going to have the most touches, the most stats, and I think he's the most impactful player long term. Yeah, he was the guy I thought was the best prospect. He hasn't shown me anything in the preseason to disabuse me of that. I think he's 
distributed the ball really well. Of course, he hasn't been able to score, and he's turned it over a bunch. He's actually been better defensively than I thought he would be uh, early on. Like, he's another one of the guys who actually, you know, he's had some activity defensively, which was, uh, you know, he kind of, he's not going to be as good as his brother, I don't think, but he's showed some ability. He's been a wonderful rebounder. So my only concern with him is that he just doesn't play enough because they got these other two guards. They're not going to start him. Yeah, but I think as the year goes on, like, the, the, at some point, he's going to start ahead of Terry Rozier. Like, they have to, right? Well, I think there's going to be a stagger because they only have two point guards. It's him and it's Devontae Graham. So you want to probably don't want to play those guys together too much. I mean, but. you can play you, you can play Rozier at point guard with the second group, though. I mean, it's not like he's... All right, maybe that isn't preferable, but I don't know. <laughs> I, I think... I, I, I just think like the, the idealized version of what the of whatever the Hornets can be is with Graham at one, Ball is the de facto one on offense who guards two on defense and Hayward at three, right? That's the thing you're trying to get to. And Rozier's just kind of this tangential thing. So at some point this year they gotta they gotta make that shift. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure. I think we'll, I, I my prediction is that if anyone goes to the bench, it's gonna be Devontae Graham. Wow. Okay. I think they. I think they just want to feel like they have some perimeter defense. I know we disagreed on that last episode. He was pressuring the ball a little bit though, and uh, in the preseason. So, so I guess I have number two, James Wiseman. I th- it's it's just reading the tea leaves. It seems like he's they're probably going to start him. They seem happy with him. I think he can. He's going to be out there on a decent team. I'm not yeah. like super fired up for Wiseman, and I think. Someone is going to merge below him to take it. I just don't know who that is, so I guess I'll just yeah. be picking Wiseman at two. I think he's he's a safe pick at two. Yeah, I, I could definitely see that because the the minutes are more assured and there's going to be some level of production. And especially with bigs, it's pretty easy. Like, like you can suck as a big and still average 12 and eight in some contexts and have people be like, hey, you know, he wasn't bad. Like, <laughs> I'll vote him second, sure. So, I yeah, I could definitely see that. Um, and, and, you know, who knows? Maybe it'll actually be good. Yeah. The other, uh, who else do you have as, like, a potential candidate to win it? thought Isaac Okoro's looked pretty good in preseason. Agreed. I think, um, I, I don't know if he's really going to get, like, enough touches, especially once Sexton comes back and just starts dominating the ball all the time. Um, but he's he's looked pretty good. But like Five much, of eight much, from three in preseason, baby. Yeah, yeah, which I don't know how bankable that is, but... Like he's, I mean, he's definitely looked better than I expected. Uh, Tyrese Halliburton, maybe? Like, it's, as far as somebody who wasn't, like, in the top half of the lottery, like, sneaking in there? Yeah, I think it's going to be tough for him to play enough. I mean, like, it's if a guy's not starting, it is tough to have him be rookie of the year. But I do think yeah. that could be one of those ones where he's going to be above his weight for types like us. I could see him figuring in the, you know, being first-team all-rookie. I don't know about uh, yeah. actually yeah. winning the award. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's probably more likely. So here are my, uh, well, conspicuous by his absence so far as the number one overall pick in this discussion. Who's who's going to get into it just based on points per game. Uh, but I don't know if he's really going to be a helpful player this year. Early returns on that are poor. <laughs> are, are not great, yeah. So I got two more for you. Okay. Patrick Williams actually started over Otto Porter in the preseason game last night. Yep, yep. Uh, and he, he has looked pretty good. Mm-hmm. And uh, Denny Avdia would be my other one. He's he. Uh, I mean, he only has played. I think the one game, shot it yeah. well. I mean, that doesn't necessarily mean anything. But 
Uh, it's They started him at the three. I think he has a decent shot to start at the three. I do think they'll start Danny Avdia. Yeah, yeah. So, so that could be that that could that could push him forward. Yeah, maybe not all the way to rookie of the year, but maybe into the first team all rookie, like you say. Uh, all right. Most improved player. <laughs> this is another completely impossible one. I'm counting the number. Of, I have. 20 guys on this list. Oh, okay. So I had I had one guy that I thought of, had a far better chance than the other 19 or so that you could list. Um, Dante DiVincenzo. Huh. And he wasn't among the 20. Really? Yeah. I thought I thought he was good last year. I didn't play a lot. He's going to start this year on a prominent team. Uh, and I, th- I think he's going to put up pretty good pretty good numbers in a like significant role on a team that could have the best record in the league so i i think he's i think he's in a great position to win this and i think he's like a legitimately good player too well so win it in your eyes or win it in the eyes of uh the actual award voters oh i guess in the eyes of the actual award voters yeah yeah what do you think your own pick would be uh, and I, I well actually let me address that first i think there's no way he wins it. you just look at the history some guy who's just like a starter level a guy never wins it like you have to have at least taken the leap to like being in all-star consideration if you look at the history and look, look at so it's like pascal siakam who was it last year was it uh brandon ingram uh cj mccollum so i, like, I think you got to be at least a guy who's like, wow, where did this come from? This guy's scoring 20 points a game now, or this okay. guy's an all-star. Okay. So, so I, I, I mean, I agree with you. Also, f- for my purposes, I mean, unless he shoots it way better, I'm not sure like how he's, DiVincenzo is going to get much better. Like, I think he was good last year and he just uh, is going to continue that this year, but he's just going to play more. I think he could like cut his turnover rate some too, get a little less wild. Yeah. And he won't, he's not going to be asked to do that much on the ball either. Um, anyone else that really stuck out to you on this one? Uh, puncher's chance type of situation. Uh, Marvin Bagley. Okay. I actually like had another one. As, I'm, as a, like, I'm, I'm not in love with him as a player, but like, there, I mean, there is a chance there. You know, everyone kind of forgot about him. And now if he comes back and starts and averages 20 a game or something, I, th- I think there might be momentum for him. That's interesting. I had DeAndre Ayton as a big candidate for me. Um, now, I, I, I also, I should be clear, I generally rule out second-year players from this just because, right. like, every second-year player improves so much. I find that, you know, that's a little bit unremarkable. Although, mm-hmm. Luca came very close to making me reconsider that last year. Yeah. Because yeah. that was a ridiculous improvement that he had. From, from Ayton, an already high level, yeah. Yeah. I mean, Ayton, he took such a step forward defensively last year to being like passable from just about the worst defensive player in the NBA his rookie year. If he can continue to evolve like that, and he's they have a lot of talent around him, he's going to be able to. He's got great pick and roll guy getting in the ball now. Um, you know, if he can average twenty and ten, and they have a pretty good defense, like he could, I think he's got a, a case that he can make. Yeah, um, that's a good one. Here's another one I got for you. Okay, Ben Simmons. Ooh, okay, that's a good one. Because here's my thinking. They've now built the team around him again for the first time since uh, he was a rookie when he looked unbelievable. And you remember that stretch at the end of his rookie year where he was just going completely crazy, setting up threes when Embiid was out with the broken yeah. face and they looked awesome. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, Doc Rivers is talking about more pick and roll with him. He's just going to have to be the offensive initiator, right? There's going to be no more of this Ben Simmons hanging out in the dunker spot stuff. And he's going to be initiating. He's going to put up a bunch of assists. And I think, you know, he's going to need, maybe he'll even take a few three-pointers that could continue to the, to uh, contribute to the narrative, I should say. Um, he might actually end up being my pick. That's a good one. That's a good one. I like that one. Who else you got? You know, I'm 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 struggling to come up because most improved player is essentially a surprise award. So it's like exactly here right. here are the like, players I expect to surprise me, right? Like yeah. Um. All right. Well, here I, I'll I'll roll you through a few of these. I mean, it's like okay. all of these are guys that like have like a five percent chance, right? Sure. Trey Young. Yeah. Okay. And there's just there's just so much low hanging fruit for him with the defense, right? On being on a real team. Uh, Jason Tatum. I mean, if he's if he gets into the top five at MVP, he could he could get it. Jalen Brown could also. Jalen Brown is going to have a lot more opportunities on the ball yeah. this year than he ever had before. That's a good one. Jamal Murray. Yes. Yeah. I, and in fact, I would put his teammate Nikola Jokic in there as well. If you just look at what he did, he's not going to win it because you know he was so awesome already in the bubble but if he just mm-hmm. does what he did in the bubble this year compared to his regular season last year like that's pretty awesome yeah um zach levine uh i mean let, let's move on yeah. uh Derek white <laughs> i i i mean his his q rating isn't high enough i don't think yeah and he's gonna start the year injured donovan mitchell Another guy, breakout guy in the bubble. Yeah. Did make the all-star team last year. He was the one who might win it for me, but wouldn't win it because people kind of actually missed the more subtle improvements that he'd made. Mm-hmm. Um, OG Ananobi is someone who's been on a lot of people's lips for this as well, with him potentially having a larger offensive role, particularly too, if they're going to play more with him or whether you want to call him or Siakam the center, he'll have some yeah. more opportunities. Um Jaren Jackson Jr. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, so you see, I wrote down Jaron's name, but then I didn't want to be a homer, A, and he's also going to be out at the start of the season. But yeah, so that's who I'm rooting for to win the award. Uh, Shea Gilgis-Alexander is going to have all he can eat. uh, (laughs) Yes, exactly. Yeah. (laughs) Then uh, he's a possibility. I mean, OKC will probably be too far out of the spotlight for him to actually win. Yeah. Um, And then my last one, another guy who was like kind of in the mix for this last year is uh, Christian Wood. Yeah, I thought he had a real case to win last year. I just don't know that he's going to... Like, if you weren't going to vote for him last year, I don't know what's going to make you vote for him this year, I guess. Uh, playing time and shots. And he only he only really did it for like a month last year. Uh, I kind of disagree. I th- See, I thought he was good the whole year. He only started well, for yeah. a month, but well, I thought he okay. was good the whole year. Did, did it in a way that would have like gotten voters' attention. Yes, that is accurate. Uh, let's see if we got any other uh, ideas here in the chat. R.J. Barrett could be there if he averages 20 on all right efficiency. I will respectfully disagree with that one. Says so, so second year rule, right? See, I, I wrote down I wrote down RJ's name when I was making my original list, but I, I was like, well, it's, it's just I'm just writing him down because he's a second year guy. Well, and also I don't really think he's going to be that much better. I mean, he'll be better, but he's not going to be like his jumper just ha- like they're going to have no spacing again. He's not in position to succeed yeah. unless he becomes like a really good jump shooter. I, I don't see how it happens. Uh, Kobe White has looked excellent in the preseason. I am high on him, but the second yeah. year rule again for him, but certainly someone I expect to be highly improved. This year, uh, let's see here. All right, I think that's 
That's about it. Yeah. Um, Ubre is being suggested. Mikhail Bridges is being suggested. Bridges might be again. That, Bridges like, should should have been in our defense discussion. Yeah, I mean, he'll definitely be an all defense candidate. Yeah. Um. Okay. Let's finish up here. This will be fun. Got okay. About Fifteen minutes left, and we can take some chat too. Executive of the year. Okay, so I have four names written down here of executives that I thought really improved their teams this offseason. Yes. Um, Travis Schlenk in Atlanta, and uh, you could argue, of course, he improved the team. He had more cap space than anyone else, but I, I do think they improved their team. I thought they made a good yep. draft pick at six, too. We'll see how that goes. Uh, Clippers, uh, who won executive of the year last year and maybe wouldn't have if it had been held after the season, but... I, I thought they made some really shrewd moves to uh, to retool this team. Uh, Daryl Morey in Philadelphia, uh, the moves he made to optimize this roster around Simmons and Embiid. But the guy you have to give it to, even though they're going to have the worst record in the league, is Sam Presti, right? Yeah, I mean, he would be my pick. We'll see what hap- ends up happening here, obviously. And also, I think, as I was saying at the very beginning of this, the story is not yet written, right? I think they're really... More so than a lot of years, there are moves out there to be made that could really vault a team into contention. Uh, and yeah, Daryl is definitely up there for me. Although again, I'm like, are they really going to be that much better in the regular season? Like, uh, did you say James Jones? I did not say James Jones or or Jeff Bauer. No, uh, the I mean the CP trade was helpful, right? Well, and in terms of who will actually win it. I think you could see that happening. Now, I don't know how much respect his fellow executives have for James Jones. You know, I think he's, he kind of, they're another one of these organizations like the Lakers where they kind of make these moves that end up helping the team, but also still aren't as good as they could be. And we're kind of, you know, anyone could have made these moves. I mean, Mm -hmm. just like some, some idiot analyst on a podcast was talking about this Chris Paul trade like weeks before it happened even. So, yeah, yeah, that was, uh, but no, I, I think, there were a couple of weird things for him, you know, more so last summer. But yeah, I mean, I, like to me, the Suns wouldn't shock me if they got home court advantage this year in the West. Like that's mm-hmm. uh, totally in play for them. Yeah. And if I that agree. happens, uh, you have to be ha- pretty happy about that. Uh, two you didn't mention, Sean Marks and Neil O'Shea. Yeah. I mean, I thought O'Shea took steps to improve the team. It was, I don't know. Was it really enough to win executive of the year? Like, yeah. Well, I also, I, I mean, part of the problem is I don't think that there really is that one like with the Clippers last year where you're like, oh man, this is just a ridiculous job. Or Messiah Jiri two years yeah. ago where you trade yeah. for Kawhi Leonard. There isn't yeah. necessarily that move. Um, I mean, if the Lakers just go completely crazy this year, everyone, like his peers hate him, so it probably wouldn't, he wouldn't get voted it. But, you know, I mean, if this Lakers team wins like the equivalent of 65 games, Rob Palinka could get in on this. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that could be that could be one of those uh, you know should have gotten it last year once. I mean, he did yeah. get Anthony Davis at some point, but I, I mean, I think most people again realize that a lot of these moves aren't Rob Palinka. Uh, so let's see here. Any anything in the comments here? Not John Horst, they say. <laughs> well, do, do you want to talk a little about the Giannis thing? We haven't had a chance to talk about the fact that he signed yet. I mean, it's only fair given that on the last episode yeah. we were talking about the gloom if he doesn't sign. Yeah, I mean, you look at, I mean, three teams with legitimate chances to be really good this year basically punted on their offseason to have a chance at Giannis a year from now, and now they don't. I mean, I mean that 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 to me is the, is the big story here, right? So 
It, in a way, like Giannis delaying this as much as he did helped the Bucks because they basically put handcuffs on Miami for, for all this time. Do you think there is any chance that this was like a four-dimensional chess? Let's like convince these teams that we're coming like just to fuck them for this offseason. Uh, doubtful. I, doubtful. I agree. I mean, all I of think, the reporting. I think I think because I mean, having been in that seat, if you're Milwaukee, you're just like sign this thing. Oh my god! Like please. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I I don't think there was any of that going on. Well, let me ask you this: How do you feel about the future of the Bucks now that he has signed? It's uh, it depends on their commitment to pay into the luxury tax. Uh, they're gonna have obviously it's gonna be hard for them to come up harder for them to come up with depth pieces. Although the fact that they're a good team should make it a little easier for them to get like those minimum guys and whatnot. Uh, but st- still a little bit of a challenge on that front. They're not going to deal with the hard cap every year. That's just this year. I think they should actually try to stay below the tax this year so that they can pay into it each of the next three, uh, which if you look at their payroll situation, they're going to have to uh, if they keep Holiday, which, I mean, you have to keep Holiday after you gave up all that shit for them. Um, so it's a it's an interesting situation they're in. The, the roster still isn't optimized to me. It's maybe a little better. There's actually a little more shooting when you look at like Augustine and Forbes and some of those guys they brought in, but still not great in that department. Uh, they, they still have work to do, basically. And very few assets to do it. And that's what my concern is. I'm not even sure that they're better this year than they were last year uh they i mean to, to read windhorse story i mean like david griffin just absolutely took them to the woodshed in that holiday negotiation to no the point doubt where about it, was it. Like, no doubt about like, it and the, and you know who who are they bidding against at the end of the day i i think yeah yeah that's that that's a tough one because they yeah i think they they clearly overpaid for holiday well, and the description of it's like, well, then he was like, oh, we need George Hill to do the deal. Oh, really? Really? You needed George Hill? The guy that you immediately, <laughs> the guy that you immediately traded, traded away for nothing? <laughs> that guy, you needed him? You? There's no way we would have done it without George Hill. Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> and George Hill would be would help them so much. Like if they could have yeah. traded, you know, Ilyasova instead, I mean, they would have just been so much better off. They, oh, God, they wouldn't have had to waste the yeah. mid level on August. Oh God, I, sorry. Yeah, I'm. Uh, and I, I mean, I, I expressed my frustration. I even had one Bucks fan who's a subscriber tell me he was unsubscribing because I like couldn't let the Bucks even have this one Bucks fan even have this <laughs> one day of joy. I'm like. Dude, you're subscribed to the wrong podcast, man. Like, this is like, and I'm like, it's just, yeah. I'm just concerned that Giannis is going to be, it won't be as bad as KG, (laughs) but I'm worried that like he's kind of consigning himself to that to, to some degree with this organization. And now, and like, I mean, do you think they're going 15 million into the tax, John, next year, Drew Holiday? That's what they have to do. Yeah. I, I actually do think they're probably going to do that. Yeah. 15 million into the tax yeah wow yeah okay if they if they do that i will i will eat my words i mean i don't really see another option for it at this point but yeah um you did tweet this though which i think it was interesting of everyone who has been worked in an nba market in the flyover states or whatever term you used has to be happy uh can you elaborate on that 
Yeah, just, I mean, we dealt with this in Memphis, even when, you know, Mark and Mike were going into their free agent years. Like every time you go to New York or LA, all these reporters around, oh, how would you love to play for the Lakers and the Knicks? So there's like anyone who's ever worked for a small market team right now is just like, haha, F you, right? Like, (laughs) sorry, Uh, you're not getting our guy. And, uh, you know, especially with like how open uh, Miami and Toronto were in particular about pursuing him so yeah there's i mean there's definitely the part for anyone who's worked in this small market there's absolutely this part of us that's just like you know yeah i just like i'm so sick of the small market big market discussion just overall it's like i think if you if you're a good team you generally keep the guy and if you don't do a good job then you lose him Mm -hmm. right i mean like all these guys who've left they didn't do a good job that's why they lost the guy right like it's I think there's some truth to that, depending on the guy. Yeah. We were able to keep all our guys in Memphis. All our core four, all four of them became unrestricted free agents and or had the ability to. Zach actually extended twice before he could opt out Um, and wanted to be there and re-signed with us. But the other key is that like they were just that's just how they were wired that they wanted to be there. And sometimes you get guys who just don't and. And there's not a lot you can do about it. Well, I, respectfully, I will and they, say this and, too. And they all look, and they all look at the same four markets, right? Yeah. Like none of none of them are like, yeah, I've just decided I'd rather play in Utah next year. Like like that that never happens, right? Yeah, I think w- when it comes to getting guys, that's where it matters more than than keeping guys, which I think you've you've said before as well. I'll also say this though, respectfully, Mark Marcus and Mike Conley, those were guys who were not, you know top five players in the league right like those are guys where that fifth year at the point they were at in their careers really mattered and which is good right i mean that no it helped i mean the fifth year definitely helped on on both of them um we did a partial fifth year on mike's which became full after he met some with 22 million out of 34 million guaranteed right yeah yeah, that and was then, one of the the odder ones. I was yeah. I, I would love to know how we don't have time for it now, but I'd love to know how you decide <laughs> negotiating. I can't. I can't exactly remember how we ended up million. at that number. Yeah, that's that's uh, that's quite a thing. Um, no, the other thing with Marks, uh, Marks. I mean, he was first team All NBA the year he he became a free agent. Um, so there were definitely uh, teams circling. He just wasn't really yeah. that interested in them. There also wasn't really anybody good who had space in 2015. I guess the the, uh, the Spurs was the only so the one. The Spurs who went Aldridge. to who went with Lamarcus. Um, yeah. I want like the I, did the Knicks have space and were just not good. I think that was the situation. I mean, that's been the situation. <laughs> that's usually the situation, now. right? Yeah, probably. <laughs> Um, what did the Spurs or Toronto do to Kawhi? Well, Toronto, he got traded there. You know, he didn't have that much equity with the organization. Um, and with Kawhi, I would say it was more really about wanting to go home than to go to LA specifically. Um, but no, you'll recall that there was a lot of reporting around number one, them not, uh, them not extending him and forcing him to wait, uh, Mm -hmm. that that alienated him. I mean, that was, that ironically enough, that's what a good organization would have done because they opened up so much more cap space that way. They signed Aldridge and they won 67 games. Uh, but then I think the injury, the quad injury thing seemed like it was, uh, Oh yeah, totally that as well. Um, (laughs) all right. Uh, I think, I think we're about done here. We'll take one more question. You want to pick one? Or, or uh, yeah, yeah. Let's uh, let's take a look here. Hang on. 
will the league reform the Supermax? Forecaster, Forcemaster999 wants to know. Um, I think I think they would have if Giannis had left. I think now they won't. I think I think this lets the league declare victory on the Supermax. Yeah, I mean, I, I never cared for it. I always thought that you should just be able to get the 35% max as soon as you come off your rookie deal and it should be just be available to everyone and there shouldn't be this like, like why you want to shunt all all of this extra money into guys who are in decline at the end of the, their careers. Yeah. I don't really understand why you'd want to do that. But of course, you know, they're never like, that first max is the quote unquote fun max, right? Like, and everybody would be wanting the 35% max when they come off that rookie scale deal. And so that'll yeah. complicate the negotiations and owners aren't going to want to do it, but it really would just make much more sense to actually like have the best players who are in years four through eight of their careers. That's usually most players primes. Yeah. Be getting paid the most, but it should, yeah, it should be the opposite. Yeah. All right. Well, this is fun. Uh, we may do some streaming every now and again on Twitch. I'm not sure if we're going to continue doing this, but we definitely are not going to do it for the next couple of weeks as they are off for, Christmas. Uh, but thanks so much for supporting. Obviously, we'll be doing Twitch streams uh, as well, uh, doing them um, uh, for live games. And uh, listen to this podcast, subscribe to Dunked on Prime, and read John at The Athletic. We will talk to you all next time. Till then. Want the same expert advice you get from the pros in the store while shopping online at DiscountTire.com? Meet Treadwell, your personal online tire guide that matches you with the perfect tire for your vehicle. Get your best match in one minute or less with Treadwell by Discount Tire. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.